0: Hello hello, and welcome to True Crime with Mari. Here we sit down and shed some light on true crime that is never really heard of or talked about. From past crimes to our recent present, let's go through the facts of each case from backstory to where they are now. A small note and disclaimer before we start. This case deals with heavy topics such as children, abuse, sexual assault, assault, body and genital mutilation, and finally, murder. So please, if you cannot handle such topics or need a break from hearing these things, please do. There will be future episodes that can be more tolerable to stomach. So without further ado, let's get on with the case of the Boston boy fiend, Jesse Pomeroy. For this case, we'll be covering the crimes committed by a single child. Many say that they can't believe that someone so young can commit such atrocities. However, they do happen. They just aren't as public today and are seen as more of a taboo way of thought. Not all children are like this, but it's forever a possibility. Now, let's get started. Jesse's Childhood Jesse was born November 29, 1895 in Charleston, Suffolk County, Massachusetts. His mother, Ruth Ann Snowman Pomeroy, born 1840 and passed away in 1915 and his father, Private Thomas Jefferson Pomeroy. He was born 1835 and passed away in 1898. His father served during the Civil War and was ranked as a private when he eventually left the military and became a fireman. His mother was a dressmaker and a store owner. That would eventually be closed down, but we will go into why later on. Um, Jesse also has an autobiography, which I, um, recommend reading. Just realized that in it he claims to hell and back his innocence, despite evidence and witness testimony. Um, but I do recommend reading it for, I guess, some insight. Now, there aren't too many eventful things, uh, in his childhood, um, prior to his crimes. Um, Most of this is either from his autobiography um, or other facts that I had found um, online. Uh, But there was one from his auto... Or two incidents from his autobiography um, where his older brother, Charles, had accidentally, while fishing, um, got a fish hook stuck under Jesse's eye. And um, another time where Jesse had almost cut his finger off, despite being warned by his uncle to not play with an axe. Uh, supposedly, um, while he was younger, his father left or was kicked out doing due to being an abusive alcoholic. When uh, Jesse was born, he was born with a milky eye and a cleft lip and was supposedly heavily bullied in school, and more than likely abused by his father at home. Some sources say allegedly his father had regularly forced him to strip naked and would beat him with a horsewhip until he bled. It was said that Jesse was intelligent, but he was socially inept and was shunned by his peers due to his birth defect. One of Jesse's teachers had said that Jesse was, quote, peculiar, intractable, not bad, but difficult to understand, end quote. I just want this to be known, I'm not going into his childhood and background so that anyone can have pity on him or excuse him of the crimes he had committed. These crimes will always be inexcusable, whether he had a good childhood or not, because there are people who come from good backgrounds and committed just depraved and atrocious things, but this somewhat gives us a background, an idea to the type of kid he was beforehand, Jesse's crimes and misdemeanors before committing murder. Some sources claim from a neighbor claiming that when he was about 5 years old that he had stabbed her their cat to death and threw it in a river. There was another time that's known of soon before his 10th birthday, he killed his mother's songbirds, but that was only the tamer parts of what he had done. From this point onward, I'm going to be talking about the seven boys that he assaulted um, and the eventual murders that he committed. I'll give a general idea about the, the children he, he assaulted, and if you want to look for yourself more details on the boys, I'd recommend reading Harold Schechter's book, Fiend, The Shocking Story of America's Youngest Serial Killer, as I will be heavily referencing uh, throughout, throughout this. In late 1871, uh, while still living in Chelsea, Mass., two men that were working on Powderhorn Hill had heard what they believed. Be the cries of an animal, but after uh, they found the outhouse where the cries were coming from, they had found four-year-old Billy Payne hanging from the ceiling, half undressed, heavily beaten with a blunt force object, and suffering from hypothermia. The men cut Billy down and safely brought him home to his parents and contacted the police. Two months later, on February 21st, 1872, Chelsea police were called on by the Hayden family. One of the Hayden family's seven-year-olds, Tracy Hayden, was found in an outhouse. He was tied up, stripped, and his back was beaten. A quote from Harold Schechter's book describes just how badly he looked from the assault. Quote, he looked like a fighter who had just suffered a terrible beating in the ring. Eyes swollen and badly discolored, nose broken, upper lip split, two of his front teeth had been knocked out. End quote. The authorities weren't able to get much of a description from the traumatized boy, other than a big boy with brown hair who had asked them if he wanted to go to Powderhorn Hill to see the soldiers. On May twentieth, eight-year-old Robert P- Robert Mayer was taken to Powder Hill under the guise of going to see Barnum Circus. However, on the way, he was pushed into a nearby pond, then dragged to the, the same outhouse after he was hit on the side of the head with a blunt force object. Robert was gagged and beaten. Uh, Jesse had then proceeded to ungag him and force him to say bad things or bad words, such as prick, shit, and kiss my ass. Uh, Robert then says that um, Jesse had grew excited from that, and as so, he had masturbated through his clothes, then untied him, told him to put uh, his clothes back on, and let him go. Robert Mayer would then describe Jesse in a way that uh, seemed to be a description of the devil. Now, in a newspaper by the Boston Globe, um, there they put a um, a title in. Fathers began to tell their boys to be careful of a man with red hair and beard, and mothers were anxious if their boys were out of sight for more than half a day. Boston Globe, September 21st, 1872. The next boy was Johnny Balk on July 22nd. He was found um, in the same condition as most of the other boys. And um, after that, a $500 reward was offered up for his capture. A week later, on August 2nd, his family, Jesse's family, uh, had packed up and had moved to South Boston. And it still continued and just became more intense on august 17th seven-year-old george pratt was jumped but this time he was not just stripped and beaten he was stabbed a plethora of times in the arms and groin uh with a needle then chunks of his face and ass were bitten off on september 5th 16 or six year old not 16 i apologize Six-year-old Harry Austin was kidnapped and tied up beneath a railroad bridge. Um, Jesse had beat him and then stabbed him between his shoulder blades and under his arms. Jesse also had attempted to chop um, the young boy's penis off. A few days later, seven-year-old Joseph Kennedy was taken to a boathouse, and in the same manner, he was stripped, beaten, um, he broke the boy's nose, knocked his teeth out, and Jesse had forced the boy to kneel. And again, I quote from Harold Schechter's book: Re- "He recited a tra- travesty of the Lord's Prayer, in which obscenities were substituted for Scripture." End quote. When the boy refused, uh, Jesse cut the boy da- cut the boy up and dragged him to the marsh. And um into the marsh full of salt water and forced the boy into the pond with the fresh wounds about a week later uh 5-year-old Robert Gold was attacked and the attacker the attacker that we know uh as Jesse had cut below the boy's eye along his ear and had attempted to scalp him just as Jesse was threatening Uh, To kill Robert, two railroad workers were coming down the track and um, Jesse ran away in fear of being caught, identifying Jesse. Robert would be one of the first victims to give a more helpful description of Jesse, saying that it was a bigger boy with an eye that looks like a marble. Police wanted to bring Robert around local schools to help identify his attacker. His parents were afraid of him, under, afraid for him, understandably, and instead the police had Joseph Kennedy uh, go around and see if he could identify the attacker. At first, he was unable to identify him, but uh, eventually, for unknown reasons, Jesse Pomeroy had went to the police station And um, just as he was about to leave, an officer had brought him back inside. And uh, later, the victims identified him as their attacker. The police had threatened Jesse that night with a 100-year sentence for the crimes. And as so, Jesse confessed to the assaults. He was sentenced to Westboro Reformatory School until he had turned 18. But, Jesse was released on parole after about 17 months due to good behavior. His mother, Ruth Ann, spent the entire time petitioning for him to be released because she believed he shouldn't be wasting his youth in a reformatory school. After he left, he would go on to work paper routes. At this point, he is 14 years old. Now, going into the murders, again, um... If you need to click away now, understandable. uh, Or take a break from listening, again, understandable. But um, from this point onward, I will be going into the murders. And here we go. One early morning on March 18th, 1874, six weeks after Jesse was released from reform school, um, in his mother's shop that morning... To buy a notebook for school, 10-year-old Catherine Mary Curran, or as everyone uh, knows as Katie, had went missing. And although I would like to continue to say exactly what had happened to her, I believe I should go in chronological order of when the bodies were found. But um, I do implore you to keep Katie in mind for when I do get to her. On April 22, 1874, Horace Millen, who was four years old at the time, had went missing. Many witnesses stated that he had seen that they had seen a little boy with an older boy head towards McKay's wharf. That afternoon, he was found half naked, partially castrated, stabbed an estimate of eighteen times in the chest, and his head was severed off when news had reached the the chief of police at the time Edward Hartwell Savage he immediately thought of Jesse Pomeroy but he believed that Jesse was still in reform school and he couldn't have possibly committed the the murder his men told him otherwise when um the chief of police Savage uh, found out that he was on probation he had ordered his Uh, arrest to be carried out immediately. On the beach, um, during um, crime scene investigating, they found footprints that were Horace Millen's and Jesse Pomeroy's. They had made plasters and had matched it with Pomeroy's footprints, or shoe prints. In the beginning, when Jesse was confronted with the evidence of the footprints, a bullet stained knife, and when they had done an exam of Jesse, they found uh, defensive marks along his body and um, Jesse had just denied and refused to confess. Then they had taken Jesse to the funeral parlor to see um, Horace Millen's body and Jesse had broke down in tears and confessed um, that he had murdered Horace. He would go on uh, saying saying that something made him do it and he said to the police, quote, put me somewhere so I can't do such things, end quote. He was then taken in and awaiting trial. His mother and father had faced a lot of harassment at this time and was forced to shut down the shop. The store was bought and was going to be made into a grocery store. When renovations for the store were being made, the workers noticed an incredibly foul smell and discovered the body of 10-year-old Katie Curran in the debris under ashes. She was badly decomposed, but was identified by her clothing. Both Jesse's brother, Charles, and his mother, Ruth Ann, were arrested. Jesse was interrogated for hours, being told that his family would be blamed until he confessed, He eventually confessed um, that when she came to the store, he had lured her away and, as he says, quote, cut her throat, end quote, then had hid her body. The coroner noted that she was badly beaten and mutilated. The next day, he would recant his confessions once again. The Trial During the trial, Commonwealth v. Pomeroy. Pom- Pomeroy, Jesse's defense team pleaded insanity. However, that did not work, and the verdict had returned guilty of murder in the first degree. He would have originally been executed, but the court thought otherwise because of his age. The jury suggested life imprisonment instead of execution because the governor at the time didn't want to be remembered as the man who sentenced a child to death, and so um, quite a many times. He refused to sign the warrant until the jury had suggested life in prison. Jesse was transferred from Suffolk County Jail to Charleston State Prison, where he would spend 40 years in solitary confinement. Jesse's prison life. In prison, he he spent his time reading and writing poetry and his autobiography that was published within the prison system, Jesse had attempted to escape prison about nine times and was unsuccessful every time. In 1917, he was released from solitary and was sent into general prison population. In 1929, when he was roughly 71, he had to be dragged out of his cell that he was in for 53 years and was sent to the state farm of Bridgewater due to his age. In 1932, Jesse Pomeroy passed away at the Bridgewater Hospital for criminally insane due to natural causes. He was then crem- cremated, and his ashes, uh, where his ashes are is unknown. And there you have it, the life and story of a fiend, who in this case happened to be a boy. A boy who was deranged and, as some would say, never truly there, even till his last breath. Thank you for sitting down with me today and listening to me tell you about Jesse Pomeroy. Now stay happy, stay healthy, and stay lovely, because I hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.